all together, us ladies, on a Friday night. And so I think I'm going to come on down here. If, if Would you mind helping me, hun, with that? You can, while he's doing that, putting him to work right away, as you can see. <laughs> I just have to say something about your pastors in return. We love your pastors. They are two of our very most favorite people. And our, thank you so much. And our congregation loves them too. And so they have ministered in our place many, many times and brought the word. Pastor Phyllis has spoke to our ladies. And I, you know, I will never forget one, especially one meeting when you gave some of your testimony. And I just remember the prayer lines that just came through and the women weeping and being set free. And so I really counted a blessing to have friends like this. Because, you know, you can't walk alone. We were never meant to walk by ourselves. This life, you were not meant to be in a vacuum. That's why you're in a room full of lovely, wonderful sisters that are going to walk with you and help you. And I know that I could not make it or be what I'm supposed to be without the right godly connections and the right friendships in my life. So I am so thankful. And let's just give her a great big hand. Pastor Phyllis, we love you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited tonight about the Word. How many of you love the Word of God? The Word of God is powerful, and it changes us. I know so many situations that I have gone through, and some I'm going to be sharing with you tonight, even in this last year, that I would not have made it if I hadn't had the Word of God to stand on, to declare, to believe, to, and watch it change me and then the situations around me. And it is a powerful, powerful tool. And we don't use it enough, but I am so grateful for the Word of God. And the title of my message tonight is called, Do It Today. Do it today. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, do it today. How many of you have ever had the experience, and I am, you know, there's not a whole lot of men, and I'm so grateful for the godly men that are here tonight. I don't mean to pick on you. And my husband is sitting right on the front row, so I can't be too bad. But how many of you have had the experience where you've asked maybe a, a, a child or a, or a spouse or someone, it could be a man asking a woman, someone to do something, and they said, sure, sure, sure. And then the hours went by, and then maybe you asked someone to take out the trash. And, you know, you came back in, and there that trash still sat. And, you know, you wanted to say, I didn't mean next week. I wanted it done today. And, you know, I can remember going through, I think it was one of my own children, and I had asked for something, and I came back in, saw it hadn't been done. And I remember kind of just fuming inside. And right then I heard the Holy Spirit say, but there's so many things that I have told you already in my word to do that you are not doing, that you are just waiting and pretending like they're not there. And I was so convicted. And so then what I decided to do was to search the scriptures and find out how many things that God has already told us to either to do daily or do it while it's yet today. Not tomorrow, not next week. You know, it's got to be done soon. And I've found that if you put off things many times, time will pass and you'll find that you have not grabbed or seize the opportunity to do what the Lord has said. And so there's five things that I want to talk about briefly that the Lord has spoken to me to do today and to do on a daily basis. Now, none of them are very complicated. None of them are difficult. But I find that I need to be reminded of them. I've walked with the Lord for a long time. I'm not going to tell how many years, but let's just say that I've probably been saved longer than some of you have lived here in this place tonight. 
But I want to tell you, I still need to be reminded to do today these five things. And so the first one that we're going to talk about is we need to seek wisdom daily. Proverbs 8, 34, 35 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, when I say seek wisdom daily, what I really mean is seek God. Seek the Lord. Get up in the morning and let that be the very first thing that you do. You know, many times we look for the coffee pot, and I'm, saying, and I'm guilty. That's my first priority many times. But I have decided, and this year I have determined, that it's not going to be just, oh, I should pray more, or I should read my word more. It's going to be, I must seek God if I'm going to survive and do the things that he is calling me to do. I can't survive without it. We had a guest speaker just last month, and he said, take it from the I should seek God to I must seek God. In other words, that has got to be like my next breath. I have to seek him. I have to seek him through his word. I have to seek him in prayer. I need to declare his word. I need to have it on my lips. I need to begin to speak so that the enemy knows who I'm standing with and who I'm agreeing with and who I'm fighting with and who is for me because the word says that he's for us and not against us. And I have found this year that my God is for me in ways that I have never even needed to know that he was for me before. And he has stood. He is my deepest and my best and greatest friend. And he is the same for you. He's not just for me, but he is for you. And he is going to do something. I'm just sensing, even right now, a powerful, powerful anointing that God is here in this place. And he has planned some things for you tonight. And I'm excited to see what he'll do. He never ceases to amaze me. But we need to seek him daily. We have three adult children. When our son, we have one boy, we have two girls. And our oldest is 30. Our son is now 27. Our youngest is 26. But when our son, Evan, who's the 27-year-old, was born, he weighed 10 pounds, 2 ounces. And um, I, no one expected him to be that big. Um, I, I could have told them that he was probably going to be that big, but they were like, no, no, no. And then before he was born, actually in the operating room, I had to have a C-section, they were placing bets on how big they thought he would be, is going to be, because he just would not come out. And he came out angry, 10 pounds, 2 ounces, slapping at the nurse's because he was angry, I guess, because he'd been poked and prodded and tr they tried to <laughs> get him out. But he was a big one. And then I'll tell you what, that was at, at newborn. And I couldn't even get him home in the little shirts that I had taken with me to the hospital. He was literally, he was like the Michelin tire boy. He was like busting out of his little t-shirts and the, they wouldn't snap. And my husband, you know, who is, is a, a nice size, but he wasn't, you know, a giant, he would go and hang around the nursery and listen to the comments. And to make it worse, they had our 10-pound Evan next to a 5-pound. And so he literally was twice the size. And my husband said that people would come to the, the, the window and point and say, look at that one. Look how big that one is. And he'd say, that's my son. And... Um, <laughs> He was, but, but Evan was born big. And then a week later, he weighed 11 pounds. And then a week after that, he weighed 12 pounds. When Evan was five months old, he didn't even have hardly any teeth. I looked around. I was driving. His three-year-old sister 
had a McDonald's hamburger, and I turned around, and Evan had snatched the burger from her and was gumming it down. And I'll tell you what, after that, you couldn't get him back to eating baby food anymore. He knew there was something better. He knew there was meat. And I tell you what, we have to have some spiritual Evans in this place. Healthy things grow. Healthy things are hungry. Healthy living creatures and daughters of the king will be hungry for his presence. We will be hungry for the word of God. We won't be satisfied with just the milk of the word. We want the meat, the deeper things of the spirit, and we will go after it until we receive it in Jesus' name. And I see a room full of hungry women. I see a room full of spiritually hungry Evans. I see ones that are ready to snatch that cheese burger and gum it down. Even if you don't have the teeth to eat it yet, you are going to get the nourishment that God has for you. You're going to eat the word and you're going to eat the meat of it and you won't be denied. The Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And many times we need to hear our own voices declaring the word of God. I will tell you something that I've learned. There are three people that are listening really, really closely to the words that we say. One is the Lord. He's listening and he's watching and he's waiting to see if we will come into agreement with his word. Another is the enemy. The enemy is waiting and watching and listening to what we will declare with our mouths. And then we ourselves need to hear our spirits come into agreement with the word of God. Because when you think about it, you're going to agree with somebody. You don't want to be in agreement with the flesh. You don't want to be in agreement with the devil. You want to be in agreement with the word of God. And you want to begin to speak it out. And then God will stand with you. And he will fulfill that which you are declaring. Why? Because it's not your word. It's his word. It's the powerful word of Jesus that nothing can stand against. And you know, many times I have been at a place where I was discouraged, but hearing the word of God come through in my own voice, sometimes you got to say it aloud. Sometimes you can't just think it in your mind. You need to stand up and declare. If the enemy is a coming against your marriage, you begin to stand up and declare the promises of God. You begin to stand firm on his promises and say, you know what, enemy? No weapon formed against my marriage is going to prosper, and all those who rise up against it are going to fall. I declare that my marriage is alive in Jesus' name, and it will have the victory because of who I stand with. Because of the power of Jesus, we need to declare the power of God. And we need to see hymns come through for us. And you will see it as you seek him daily. I have learned that I need to go to his book before I need to go to Facebook. I need to go to his word before I even go to anyone else's words. His word is powerful. And God is looking for, uh, he's looking for hungry women and men too, but he's looking for children that will seek him like they have to have it, like it is not just something that is, is an option. It's not optional. It's a necessity. Seek him daily. Seek wisdom daily. The second one is take up your cross daily. And I'm going to read you a scripture from Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know what? It sounds very, it sounds difficult, doesn't it, to take up your cross? But really all that that is saying is to acknowledge that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts about you are higher 
than your own thoughts about you. You know, I remember growing up, and I was a pastor's daughter, a missionary's daughter, and I remember saying, I never want to marry a pastor. That's one thing I will never do is marry a pastor. And I remember when we started dating, I asked him one time, I said, you don't think you'd ever be a pastor, do you? And he said, it's the last thing I'd ever be. I said, great, because I don't want to marry a pastor. And you know what? God had the last laugh. And I'm, I know that he must have been laughing in heaven because not only are we pastoring, but we've been missionaries. And I'll tell you what, there's nowhere else I'd rather be because it's his will, not mine. And, and taking up your cross daily simply means saying, Lord, today it's your will over mine. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says that every day, she says, I consecrate myself to you, Jesus. I consecrate this day to you, and I hope I enjoy it, but even if I don't, it's your way over mine. And that's a wonderful way to pray, because I'll tell you what, the Lord has things planned for you and for me that we could not even imagine. We might miss something, if we don't consecrate our way to the Lord, if we don't daily say, you know, Lord, I am so conscious of the fact that it's not my way today. It's what you decide. It's who you lead me to. It's the conversations that you've already envisioned that I will have. It's the people that you're going to put across my path. And if you begin to pray that way and consecrate your way, you know, life becomes exciting. You will find yourself walking into a place right when you need to see someone that maybe you haven't seen in years. You will find extraordinary things will begin to happen. Why? Because he is got a greater plan for you and for me than we have for ourselves. Take up your cross daily. Say it's his. You know, Jesus at 12 knew it. He said to the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? It's my father's way and not my way. You know, I have learned to live on a daily basis that way. It's not always easy, but I have found that when I follow that gentle leading of the Holy Spirit, that things always end better than if I insist on having my own way. You know, when we came into this area yesterday, I was so reminded because we had a dear friend, a couple of friends that when we were first married, they lived in northern Kentucky. And they were the kind of family, really, that took us under their wing. We both lived far away from our own families. And I remember we were newlyweds. The first fight that we had, that's, that's whose house I ran to. I ran out the kitchen door, and pretty soon he showed up. And, you know, they, they just mentored us and were like a mother and a father to us. And this was, oh, goodness, early 80s. It was right after we graduated. I'm telling my age now. Right after we graduated from college in 81, we moved to Erlanger, Kentucky. And this was a wonderful, wonderful couple in our lives. And just this past year, I was teaching a leadership class and I was talking about the power of people in your lives and, and mentoring and, and how we need to be grateful to those that invest in us. And, and you know, when I, when I left that place as I drove home, I thought of this couple, Betty and Clyde were their names. And when I got home, I felt like the Lord said, write Betty right now. She was on Facebook, and I thought, I'm going to do it. And you know, it was not a convenient time. We were getting ready to leave and go to New York. Our son was getting married that week. And I could have thought, oh, you know, I'll do it later. But I've learned to obey that Holy Spirit nudge. And so I wrote to Betty, and I just thanked her once again for what she and Clyde had poured into us all those years ago, how they had stood with us, how grateful we were, and what they'd meant to us. 
And I got a reply back from her, and then we went to New York. Well, a couple days later, I got a call, and Betty had gone to be with Jesus. And I want to tell you, I was so grateful that I had consecrated my life to Jesus that day, and I was in a position where I could hear him say, right, Betty, right, Betty, tell her this, tell her that. And you know, Jesus will do that for you, and he will do that for me. And if we have just the diligence and if we will put our lives before him on a daily basis and take up our cross and say, it's your way, not my way, you will watch the abundant life begin to unfold in your own life. You'll begin to see, like I said, encounters. You'll begin to see that you don't miss one good thing. Why? Because he knows so much more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It's his way. And I want it that way. His ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Consecrate yourself daily to him and watch what he'll do. The third one is to exhort one another daily. Hebrews 3, 13 through 15 says, exhort one another daily while it's called today. It's still today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And while it said, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So exhort one another daily. You know, exhort can mean encouragement. I once heard it said that the most powerful weapon that the church can have is to go forth being encouraged. And I believe there's something to that. And, you know, many times we look at one another and we think, well, she doesn't need encouragement. Her life is so much better than mine. She's got it all together. She's got, I wish I had half of what she has. And so we withhold encouragement. And, you know, I want to encourage you to encourage each other. I want to encourage you to find something of exhortation, something of encouragement. Do you know that we need that desperately? You don't know what the person sitting beside you in the pew is going through tonight. They might need a word of encouragement that will literally be the difference between life and death spiritually. They need it. So do not withhold encouragement one from another. I've had to learn to take every opportunity because, you know, some of us have a perfectionistic spirit. Have you ever seen that? Some of us, you know, and, and I've, I've been guilty of that. And if it's not perfect, sometimes I've found that I've withheld praise. And that is not the way the Lord wants us to live. He wants us to encourage one another. He wants us to speak blessing, speak exhortation, encourage each other to continue on, to do the right thing, and to be everything that God has called each other to be. We have to encourage each other, but I'll tell you what, exhortation also has another meaning that's not quite so comfortable, and that also means confronting in love when we see someone's attitude slipping. And I'll tell you what, I, I can see you all groaning right now. Many times we're fearful of confronting because we're afraid of how we might be received or we're, we're afraid of making someone angry. And, you know, and I'm not saying to do it in an ugly way. I'm not saying to do it in a mean way. And I'm certainly not saying to go confront someone before you've prayed for them. But I will tell you this. Many times the truth spoken to me in love has done more for me than almost anything I can imagine. I can remember I, one godly woman in my life. I was complaining. And this hasn't been that long ago. I was complaining on the phone about a situation where I felt like I had been treated unjustly. And she stopped me. She said, Miriam, we're not going to go any farther. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. 
And she brought me right back to where I needed to be. And I said, you know what? You are right. This is not a flesh and blood enemy. I'm going to stop complaining right now. And I'm going to get back into place where I need to be. And many times we will find that someone that has the boldness and the courage to confront someone in love is going to see great, huge results. We have a wonderful lady in our church. Her name is Eva. And I'll tell you what, Eva follows the Lord with all of her heart and all of her soul. And she loves the church and she loves her pastors. And I heard this, and Eva didn't tell me this story, but I heard a story where Eva was at a ball game and she heard a couple, and it was mostly the woman, say some not so nice things about her church and about her pastors, having never been there, I don't think, but just was repeating hearsay. And Eva tapped the lady on the shoulder and very sweetly she said, I'm sorry, but that's my church, and that's my pastor's, and I can't allow you to continue to speak that way. And, you know, it, it almost makes us cringe, you know, because we, we are so afraid of offending someone. But let me tell you what happened. The lady began to listen to Eva. Eva began to share her heart. The lady actually ended up receiving the Lord. Her whole family got saved. Her whole family then came to the church. Her whole family began to serve the Lord. Her teenagers got involved in the youth group and began to serve God and got filled with the Holy Spirit all because of one situation where someone was bold enough to exhort in love and say, excuse me, I'm sorry, I can't allow that to continue. And many times, you know, we, we want to keep the peace, but keeping the peace sometimes means speaking the truth in love. And ladies of God, you know, sometimes, I, and, and I'm all for being kind. Once again, I'm not saying be ugly or be mean. And certainly don't confront unless you've prayed. But many, many, many times the church of God has been guilty of saying things behind each other's backs instead of speaking the truth to each other's face in love and seeing the Holy Spirit move. And I would many, many, many times over rather someone confront me to my face in love than to find out that they've spoken behind my back something not so good. Amen? Let's change the culture, ladies. Let's be truthful. Let's, be, let's speak encouragement. But let's not be afraid to speak truth when we need to. Because many times you will see the Holy Spirit move through that, unlike anything else that you've ever seen before. Don't complain, but be, speak, speak the truth in love. And be your brother's keeper. You know, many, many times we think, well, that's none of my business, but it is our business. We're family. So God will help you to know when to speak out and when to be quiet. The fourth one, offer thanksgiving daily. Offer thanksgiving daily. Psalms 50, 14 says, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I'm going to read you one more verse about thanksgiving. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you know where that verse is from? That's from the book of Jonah. And Jonah prayed that prayer when he was in the belly of the whale. I'm going to read it to you again now. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is, the, is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now that said to me, 
that we can thank God in any circumstance. None of us, I look out, I see many beautiful ladies. I don't see any of you in the belly of the whale. You may feel like you're there. I have felt like figuratively, like there's no way out, that I have been somewhere. But I'll tell you what, if Jonah could thank God in the belly of the whale, believing, why could he do that? Because he believed that God could still yet save him. Even if he was in the belly of the whale, there was nothing that God could not do. There was nothing that God would spare to deliver him from that place. And you know, when you can thank God, when you don't see a way out of your circumstance, when you can thank God, when everything looks bleak and dark and unchanging around you, that says to the Lord, that's my daughter. She's trusting in me. She's not looking to the arm of flesh to save her. She's depending on me. We have a ministry friend that says Thanksgiving is the highest expression of faith and complaining is the highest expression of unbelief. Why? Because when you thank God, when everything looks impossible, you are saying, my faith is still in you, God. I have not seen you move like I wanted to yet, but I'm believing that that's the key word yet. You will still Show yourself strong on my behalf. You will still move. And I thank you in advance because I know that you're a good God. I know that you've not abandoned me. I know that you won't leave me desperate. I know that you won't leave me sick. I know that you won't leave me alone. My husband likes to say, if it's not good yet, then God's not done. And I believe that's true with the very fiber, every fiber of my being. I, I alluded to some challenges that I'd face this year. This year probably is quite possibly one of the most challenging of my life. About eight months ago, I was given a thyroid medication that totally threw my system out of whack. And I, I just kind of stepped, it was like from one day to the next. You know, sometimes we go through seasons like that. One day everything is great, and the next day it's like we stepped into this season that we didn't ask for that we didn't want, that we don't know where it came from, and we don't know what to do. And that's where I found myself for several months. And this thyroid medicine gave me heart palpitations, but the worst thing that began to happen was that I stopped sleeping. Now, when I say that I stopped sleeping, I mean I stopped sleeping. I mean for days and nights and weeks and months, I didn't hardly sleep. And you know, we have to sleep to survive. And so many times... I would go and I'd say, Lord, I don't even know if I could put two coherent thoughts together. And, and it was one, it seemed like it was one attack after the other. I had one infection after the other. My eardrum burst. I mean, it just was ludicrous, all the different things. It was like a, an all-out assault on my health. And I'll tell you the only way that I've come through and that I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and that was begin to thank God and stand on him and say, God, you know, I don't understand. So many times we're tempted to say, God, why? Why is this happening? What did I do wrong? Why have you left me? And you know, that's the wrong question. We need, we need to begin to declare. And, and some of the things that I would declare was, Lord, I thank you even when I can't see how this is all going to turn out. I thank you even though I don't know how you're going to do it. I thank you even though I don't know how long I'm going to have to go through it because it looked unending. 
And I just began to thank him. And I'll tell you what, many times in the wee hours of the morning, I was by myself crying in the basement before God. And I will tell you this, that our God is faithful. And I will tell you that one night I went to bed and didn't sleep a wink. And the next night I went to bed and slept eight hours. And then I slept eight hours the next night. And all of a sudden it was like from one day to the next, I was kind of catapulted out of that dark place, and God was faithful, but I didn't know it at the time, and I just kept thanking him and believing him and standing in his word, on his promises. You know, there's an old song, and we don't sing it that much anymore, but I woke up with it one morning, and it was that old song, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He has been my guide, drawed me closely to his side. God will make a way. God will make a way. And, and I woke up, and I'll tell you what, I don't even think we used to sing that song. But that song began to be almost like a theme song for me. And in the days when I couldn't even hardly think what to say, I would sing, and I would declare, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's working in ways I can't see, but he'll make a way for me. And I thank you, Lord. And maybe some of you need to just begin to thank him for the way that he's making, even for you now, when you can't see it. He will make a way through the darkest places of your life. He'll make a way. He's working in ways you can't see. He doesn't ask for you to do. You know, I, I, I had this picture, too, because when I was young, I used to go with my dad to my piano lessons. We lived in Brazil. We were missionaries. And I, my dad is a tall man, and he had really long legs. And I remember he walked so fast. And I had to hold on to his hand. And many times I would be trotting alongside him, and he would be striding forth. But as long as I held on to his hand, I got there. As long as I held tight to the father's hand, I didn't have to worry about which way he was going. I didn't have to worry about trying to remember the direction to go. All I had to do was hold on to his hand. And many times, ladies, we will, we will go through things. And the Bible doesn't promise that we'll never have a trial. You know, to the contrary, he says, in this word, world, you will have tribulations, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. But if you can hold on to his hand and declare and thank him and declare that he will make a way, you will watch him work on your behalf. I'm here. I'm a living example to say that God is good, and he will not leave you forsaken. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to waste any trial. I want to learn whatever I can from the dark places that I go through and then take it to share, and if it can be a help to someone else, and that is something that I have learned. Thank him in the time of the storm. Thank him when you're in the belly of the well. Thank him when you're in the dark hours. Thank him and declare that he will make a way, and he will do it. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And here's the last one, and this is quite possibly the most important one, maybe the hardest one to do. It's forgive. Forgive today. Mark eleven twenty five says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And you know, we know, we know that we know that we know that we know that we can't hold on to unforgiveness. Any doctor will tell you 
if they know what they're talking about, that many health problems can be traced directly to bitterness and unforgiveness. And yet, many times, we allow it to continue in our lives. And, you know, I'm not downplaying, because I know that in a crowd this size, many of you have gone through just horrible, unthinkable things. And it's been almost impossible, some of you, to forgive. And some of you, I, I can sense that there's been some situations that's gone on for a long time that you've been unable to release the forgiveness. Let me tell you this, and, and the Lord explained it to me this way. When we can't forgive, it's like we are chained to that experience. It's like we are literally held captive to that experience. But yet when we can release forgiveness, it's cutting ourselves free from that. It's not saying that the person was right. It's not saying that whatever situation that you were in was a just one. It's simply saying, I release forgiveness in accordance to the word of God, and I cut myself free from all the effects of that experience and of that whatever it was. You cut, you literally cut yourselves free from it. And many of us have not been able to release forgiveness for things that maybe happened a long, long, long time ago. And we're going to pray tonight, and we're going to believe for a mighty river of forgiveness to come. Let me tell you what happened to us once years ago, and I'm coming to my, the close of my message. We went to Jacksonville, North Carolina 25 years ago this month. We've been there longer than we've been anywhere else. And it was a difficult place in many ways to go. And when we first got there, we were told that no one had been able to stay pastoring for longer than two years. And so we, we felt a lot of pressure. As, it, as we started to hit that two-year mark, we felt like the enemy was trying to push us out. And we became, you know, there were stresses. There were so many things that were coming against us. And it all, to make a long story short, it all kind of culminated in at that point, I was at home raising our three small children. I wasn't on staff. But it culminated with a lot of criticism and a lot of negative, untrue things being directed toward my husband, which was harder for me to listen to than if it had been said about me myself. And I remember that time just being so upset and so hurt by it and watching him daily pour out, but yet seeing that type of treatment and so, you know, we, we tried, we prayed. God was gracious. God was faithful. God kept us through all that. And then fast forward maybe five years, and we found ourselves in another church in town for some special meetings. There was a prophetic ministry that had come in. Now, I want to say this right from the get-go. God doesn't always do it this way. But on that evening, he did something that I will never forget. And my husband and I were standing, and I'll never forget, during the praise and worship, one of the ladies that had been the most vocal during that horrible time came in and sat in front of us. And I felt myself stiffen. And during the praise and worship, I felt the Holy Spirit said, you have not forgiven her. You need to release forgiveness to her. And she was standing, you know, not two feet from me. And so I, I was able to. I said, Lord, help me. Help me forgive because I want to forgive. I want to love her as you've loved me. You didn't withhold forgiveness from me, and I will not withhold it. And as I stood up toward the end, I looked around, and I realized 
almost every person that had been part of that unjust, unfair time and that had been very critical was in that meeting. I remember thinking briefly, wow, we're all here together for the first time since years ago. And right then, the speaker called my husband and I out and began to read our mail and said, there was a situation in your church. They said this and this and this about you. It was not true. I stood with you. I mean, it was almost unbelievable. We were almost embarrassed. It was like they were being disciplined right in front of us. And God set things straight in order right before our very eyes. And I I just want to say this. If I had not been able to forgive the lady during the praise and worship, I don't think that would have ever have happened. But the Holy Spirit set things straight. And because we had been criticized in a public forum, the Lord chose a public situation to vindicate us and to bring about his justice because he is a just God. Not everything that happens to us is fair, but you can continue to stand in him knowing that he is a just God and he will bring justice to our lives if we don't lose hope and if we are able to do what he tells us to do. So do it today, ladies. Don't waste one more day being chained to situations that the enemy has tried to keep you bound in because as you release forgiveness today, the Lord is going to come in like a flood and he's going to move. The Holy Spirit is moving even right now. I can see it's like a a wave coming over you. Let's stand to our feet. The Lord is doing things even in these pews right now in your hearts and in my heart even as I'm standing here. And you know, sister, um, right here, I think your name is Christine. You were, we met you right when we first came. All night long as I've looked at you, The Lord says this is a year of discovery for you. The Lord is going to reveal some deep revelation into some areas that you've been asking for, that you've been believing for, that you've not seen yet. And the Lord says that he is going to flood you. And you are going to open your mouth to share what he has done. And you are literally, and I know your name is Christine, but you're going to be the Christ bearer to many women that are desperate, that are searching, and that are seeking. And the Lord says, don't give up because there is a great breakthrough coming even this year in your life. In Jesus' name, praise God. Pastor Chris, if you'll come, we're going we're gonna to continue ministering, but Pastor Chris is going to come and lead this next portion of our service here. Ladies, I want to uh, ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. We're going to give an opportunity for any of the women that are here that have never given their hearts to Christ to give their heart to Jesus tonight. There are ladies that may be here tonight that are backslidden and you used to walk closely with God, but you know in your heart that you are living far from Him. The reality is that He is not a part of your life like he once was. And the Spirit of God, as Pastor Miriam was saying, is reaching out to you tonight. God's grace is in this place. There's a powerful anointing for things to be set in order, for hearts to be made right. And God is moving to draw you unto himself in a powerful and new way. And if tonight you are not right with God, then this is your moment to be honest with the Lord. 
And when Pastor Miriam began to introduce the topic tonight, it was do it now. Do it now. Do it today. We are here now. There is no way that any of us know where we'll be the next time there's church. We don't know if we'll be here Sunday morning. We don't know if we'll have another opportunity next week. But what we are aware of very keenly tonight is that God is in this place, that we are here in this atmosphere, and He is reaching out to us. And so now it's my responsibility to respond. It's your responsibility to respond. And we give you that option and that opportunity tonight in the mighty name of Jesus to honor Him, to come to Him, to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. If you're backslidden to ask for forgiveness and be restored to the life of Christ that you used to walk in, God is so merciful. He is so able and so willing to forgive. No one is too far from Him. No one has sinned too much. Time is not a problem with Him. It doesn't matter how many years it's been. God will receive you now if you'll come to Him. Jesus is ready to receive, to forgive, to bless, to cleanse, to heal, to deliver anyone, everyone that calls upon his name. If that's you tonight, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get right with the Lord tonight. I came to this meeting with a friend, but now I want to receive Jesus. I want to walk with the Lord. I've been backslidden and cold-hearted and far from God, but now something's happened tonight, and I know that God is speaking to me, and I need to get right with Jesus tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to acknowledge that I need Christ. I want, I want to acknowledge that I need the Lord tonight, and I'm ready to receive whatever He has for me and surrender my life to Him. We want to make sure tonight, we never want to take it for granted any time, that we have a Holy Ghost meeting like this, that everyone is walking in obedience to the Lord and everyone knows Jesus. So we're calling you tonight, calling you tonight to come to the Lord. Come to Jesus if you don't know him as your Savior or if you're backslidden. I see a hand back there. Anyone else? If you're not right with God, we want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. Is there another one? All right. I may not be able to see everybody. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Anyone else? A two, three, maybe the number four. Maybe you're the fourth person. Why don't you raise your hand right now? If you're the fourth person. God is dealing with you. We have three people that have done that. Number, here's number four right here. Maybe, the, maybe you're number five. If you're number five tonight, you're the fifth lady, you raise your hand right now in Jesus' name. I want to get right with God. We've got four ladies. Maybe you're number five. Number five, I see that. Number six. Where are you tonight? You're the sixth lady. God is dealing with you. Why don't you receive Jesus tonight? Open your heart to Christ. We're just looking for that sixth lady that knows that God is speaking to her heart. We got another one? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Ladies that raise your hand, I want, I want to ask you to do something uh, that requires boldness and courage. I want you to come running down here as fast as you can. We're going to pray for you tonight. I said that we would. You raised your hand, and, and uh, I want you to come. Just step out from where you are, and we'll pray for you right now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, we can just move this out of the way. Yeah, you got it? Yep. Just come as fast as you can. I think we've got at least five. So you come on down, and we're going to pray for you so that you might get right with God. But yeah, just step right down here. Yeah, very good. Anyone else? Are we missing a couple of ladies? Just waiting for you to come walking down the aisle. 
All right, ladies, I don't know if you've ever done this before. Have you ever done anything like this before? You have? You have? Kind of, maybe, maybe more or less. How about you? Have you ever done anything like this before? Long time ago. All right, great. Well, here we go again. Let's do the, let's make it stick this time in Jesus name I want you to pray this prayer with me and then all of the ladies that are standing with them will you join in with them and let's back them up and encourage them and lift our voices to the Lord and reconfirm our commitment to him tonight as well amen so I want you to just say this with me say Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins Jesus come into my heart make me a new person cleanse me from sin Deliver me from the evil one. I receive you, Jesus, by faith. I confess that you're my Savior and you're the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I give you permission to take full control, to be fully in charge of all aspects of my life. My life belongs to you. I'm a Christian. I've been born again. I'm a new creation. All things are passing away. I'm free in Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I don't know if we've got some workers that are going to grab a hold of you. If you'll turn around, this beautiful young lady right there is going to help you. And, and I really feel like we should sing, uh, uh, God will make a way. Uh, yeah, if you could play it. Can you play it? All right. You want to learn this song? Some of you know it. It's an old one, but it's too old for some of you. But some of you maybe have never even heard it. Maybe weren't even saved when this song was out. But uh, when my wife told me she wanted to do this, um, I just burst into tears. I don't know why. So I know it's got, it's got something, there's something special about it. So we'll just sing it. And uh, I, I don't, I'm sure there'll be no words on the screen, but you just learn it as I sing it, all right? And we'll, uh, we'll go home with this. And we're not going home now, but when we do go home, we're going to go home with this in our heart. Amen? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. to his side with love and strength for each new day he will make a way he will make a way God will make a way where there seems to be no way he works in ways we cannot see he will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. With love and strength. For each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way.
wish I could sing and play like that. I'm working on the playing. Forget the singing. But I'm working on the playing. I have the honor and I am excited to take up the offering tonight for my pastor friend, Miriam. I love her. So let me get my Bible out here. I've got so many papers. There's my gum. After you girls made those delicious little round things, I needed gum because they got onions in them and not afraid to use it. Got onion breath and not afraid to use it. Hey, we got to have fun, right? God's in this place. I'm serious. You can feel it. I just want to weep. I don't know why, I just want to weep. And so when the anointing hits me, I weep, I cry. Some people jump and shout and do their thing, but I cry. So I do feel the Spirit of God in this place very strong. Well, anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and I'm going to start at the seventh verse. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited to take up this offering. Usually when pastor says to me, Honey, would you take up offering? I'm going to, you know, but I am excited to take up your offering. So it says this, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? In other words, who goes to war at his own expense? Nobody, nobody. It says, who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Nobody. We're going to eat of that fruit if we've planted it. We're going to eat of that fruit. Or who feedeth a flock and not eateth not of the milk of that flock? We're going to drink the milk, make the butter, make the buttermilk, all the good stuff. Now, Paul's saying this. He says, say I these things as a man, question mark. Or saith not the law the same also. All right, so what Paul's saying here, he says, in other words, the law doesn't speak as a man. The law does not speak as a man. It speaks as God. And he's saying, I'm not talking this of myself. This is God. But God's law has already declared this. That's what Paul's saying. And then he says, for it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care of oxen? Absolutely. Now that word muzzle means, listen to this, to close the mouth, all right? To stop, to make speechless or reduce to silence. In other words, we shall not silence the voice of those that bring God's word to us. He's saying, don't put a muzzle on them. You loose them. You loose them to let them tell me, to tell you about Jesus, to tell you things that you need to do. And you say, well, how? How do we loose that? By supporting her and her ministry. Listen, she goes from the north, the south, the east to the west. She goes to Brazil. She interprets in Portuguese. Is that what they speak over there? She's uh, excellent in, in, in uh, Portuguese. Listen, we help her financially. That's what God's saying here. We need to help her financially to do these things. Ladies, we can't do that. We can't go all over the United States and over to Brazil and all these other places. But she can, and she does. And you see how the devil has attacked her. She only told you part of it. 
how he attacked her. Only part of it. He attacks you when you're going out and you're doing something for him. He wants to shut you down. And if he can shut your ministry down, he'll do it every time. But we want to loose the muzzle on her. We want her to be able to teach us. We want this. And then it says this, verse 10, it says, Or saith he altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt. Well, I probably didn't read that right. Or saith he altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt. So he's saying it's for us to hear this. This is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that thresheth in hope should be partakers of his hope. So if we have sown into you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Now, she has sown into you tonight a great word. She has sown into you spiritual things and spiritual truths. And the Bible says that the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. So there's freedom in what we heard tonight if we will apply it to our lives, right? There's liberty in what we heard tonight. Absolutely. I thought it was a great message. There's an ability to protect ourselves from error in what we had tonight. Ability to resist deception so that we're not deceived. So we have heard a word from the Lord tonight, and she has put something in each and every one of us that we can grow by. We can absolutely grow by it. And it's more valuable, church, than any possessions that we have or what anything that we have labored for. It's more valuable. So as you receive tonight and you have received, put a value Put a value on what you have received and give out of your heart tonight. Because the Bible says this, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So, I encourage each and every one of you here tonight to give your best, honest to goodness, to give your best. Because when you're sowing into her, you're sowing into missions, you're sowing into her personally, and you're sowing into her church as well. So, you're, you're getting all those benefits, and when you stand before the Father, you're going to say, oh yeah, this one was saved in Brazil. You helped do that because you gave her money. Or you helped her in this area. You helped her in that area. So I want to encourage all of you tonight to give. Give your best offering. All right? And gentlemen are late. I'm so used to the gentlemen. <laughs> I forget it's a women's meeting. Anyway, ladies, bring down the buckets. And uh, we're going to pray over your offering. And you can just come down as they play and uh, give your offering. Okay? Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for this service, even though it's not over. We still have a lot to do, and we thank you that you're going to be in the midst of all of it. Now, God, we just ask you, every person that is giving tonight, we ask you, God, to bless them abundantly. God, write it down, and we know that you do what they give and, and where it's going and what's going on with it. And to bless them, Lord. I mean, bless them abundantly. I want each and every one of them to not have one lack in their life. And Father, we just thank you for all their giving in Jesus' name.